Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome into Fantasy Sports Today as we get you ready for the 2020 NFL Draft. Craig Mish once again in the house. And today, Joe is here. No, it's not Joe Ranieri. It is Joe Pizzapia filling in today. It is great to catch up with Joe. As you know, Joe and the Fantasy Black Book fame, of course, on Diamond Bets as well and was my co-host all last football season. And great to be back linked with you here, to, uh, with you, Joe, here on Draft Day. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, all the Joes get together. We're in a club, and whenever you need an extra one of us, you just pluck us out of the Joe bag, and we come and and make everything right here and show up and do a good job. And it's funny, Craig Mish, I feel like this is, um, I don't know, like I'm your ex-girlfriend stalker here. No matter how many times you try to get rid of me, no matter how many networks we've been on over the years, you just can't shake me. I'm like the Janice to your Chandler Bing, and uh, I'm just going to haunt you in your dreams for the rest of your life. It could be. Although I will say this, it is great to see you and great to, as a friend, catch up with you. I know it's Absolutely. been a little while, but of course I'm catching your shows on the weekend, you and Matt doing the Diamond Bets uh, baseball show. I wish I was doing a baseball show this year, Joe, and a lot of people have asked me about it, you know, because the last few months, at last couple months, as a matter of fact, as soon as spring training was canceled, I really have not done a lot of baseball here on this show. And people have asked me, like, what are you doing? I'm like, buddy. And people I'm just like, I can't do it. Like, I, I don't think that there is a lot that is relevant for the fantasy baseball season. So what we've tried to do is sort of incorporate everything that's going on in the world and incorporate sports. And, Joe, as soon as baseball gets back, you know me. I would love to do it. But how many times can you talk about the Tigers? And it's been a five – how many months has this offseason been? It's been like eight months already yeah. you know, of, of the offseason. So, um, but there was baseball news today. We'll get to that in a second. But first and foremost, I want to get your thoughts, of course, on the upcoming NFL draft. And I know – that you and I had a, a lot of fun times talking fantasy football season, and I'm sure we will again come next football season. But as we look at this draft right now, and and I know that you're somebody that studies this too, because when you're doing your research and, and you want to make sure that you you know do the right thing as far as getting the right players and the right matchups, it seems to be because of this stay at home and everything that we've had to sort of endure that there's been more buildup and more interest for this NFL draft, especially at the top of the NFL draft than I can remember in a long time. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think that always happens whenever there's a vacuum uh, like this, where there's no other things going on, no other sports going on. So we are kind of hyper-focused. And I think we're all focused also on top of the fact that it's going to be different this year than it's ever been. I mean, they've never done it online. I mean, this is kind of like a live stream of a fantasy draft. That's the closest thing we can get to it. So I guess we're all wondering, are the Lions going to say, is Joe Burrow gone yet? Did someone pick him? There's always going to be somebody in each team that's going to screw something up just like every other draft. But I think it's going to be completely unique, completely great television as well, because this is a a totally new way of doing things. Uh, I'm sure the way trades are going to be processed are going to be very strange too. And how they're going, whether there's going to be more or less, I don't know if this format is going to lend itself to more trades or make it prohibitive for certain teams to make trades. So I think we're all just kind of getting the popcorn ready for the NFL draft. And we're just super excited to see how it's going to unfold, not just uh, where teams are going to be, but also think about some of the teams that are in transition too, where you have a team like the Patriots who have 
what, 13 picks now after this Gronkowski trade. So there's a there's a ton of capital there for certain teams that don't usually have these kind of picks. And then, of course, you have the obvious number one with Joe Burrow. So that's going to be very easy and off the board. But after that, there's a lot of rumors about Tua falling. There's a lot of rumors about some teams wanting to move up, other teams wanting to move back. And I think there's been so much time. I wonder if some of these idle time has actually made these GMs maybe overthink some of these picks or some of these moves too. And it'll be fascinating to see how that has either a positive or negative impact on the teams. Yeah. And a lot of, from a fantasy perspective, and we're going to be covering the draft tonight here at sportsgrid.com, eight o'clock Eastern. Uh, all of our hosts will be on. I'll be uh, jumping on to do uh, the Dolphins picks. Uh, you know, maybe I'll have it before it happens. We'll see. But um, I, I think that, Joe, the main question that I'd like to ask you is going into this thing, What is what players intrigue you the most from a fantasy perspective? And I know that this is not an easy question to answer because, mm-hmm. as an example, and just throwing a random scenario out there, if Jerry Judy in some way was to end up with Jacksonville, you would say, well, I really like Jerry Judy, but I don't like the fact he's in Jacksonville. And I think that's the one thing that, from a fantasy perspective, doing any sort of best balls right now in the month of April are almost impossible because – you're almost throwing that dart, hoping that that player that you like a lot in college ends up in a really good position in the pros. So, um, you know, between Judy and Lamb and DeAndre Swift, we certainly have a lot of different options in the first round offensively. Is there anyone in particular tonight for you that you're waiting to see where they land? Because that's going to be somebody that if they end up in a good spot, you would have some interest in. Yeah, oh, Jonathan Taylor is one of them for sure. I think that's another guy who could have an immediate impact and there's a good chance he could end up with the Dolphins as well. I mean, they could go with a Tua and then an offensive lineman and then take him at the end of the first, potentially. They have so much capital there. And it's fascinating because what I don't understand, and you kind of touched on it, Craig, which is there's a lot of people who are trying to make dynasty football trades right now before the draft for picks. And and I keep asking people, what why do you want to do that now? Don't you want to wait and see where these guys yeah. land beforehand? Because like you said, what if a great talent lands in a bad spot? You know, we've seen that time and time again, where very talented young college football players get onto a team in the wrong scheme with the wrong quarterback, with the wrong OC, and everything goes to crap. And I think that is the last thing that you want right now in that vein. So wait, wait another couple hours, wait another couple days and see what goes on here with some of these teams and where these guys actually end up, because that has a huge impact on what they can do in the first few years of their career. But I also think CD lambs and other ways guys too, that I'm really intrigued by if he should end up in Arizona as another weapon there. Oh my gosh, that could imagine that. I mean, there's, there's a lot of cool landing spots for these, a lot of these guys potentially. And then you even have a guy like Jerry Judy who could end up on the jets, maybe at 11. That's possible. But Man, I mean, do we love that? I mean, do we trust Adam Gase? There's a lot of questions, and tonight we'll have the answer, so that'll be good, but uh, it's going to be a show one way or another. Yeah, and as, as I would recommend very highly for all of you who are interested in watching a pick-by-pick analysis live on television. There aren't a lot of places right now that are actually broadcasting live, and our technology is allowing us to do that tonight, so make sure you tune in at 8 o'clock Eastern for uh, certainly all of that coverage. And, and I think that the point that you make, Joe, is really good and really interesting, too, because I hear that same thing, not just in fantasy football, but fantasy baseball as well, as I talked about at the top. It's like, why would anybody do a fantasy draft right now not knowing the places, the dynamics, the games, who's playing, who's not? And, and I think from a fantasy football perspective, the, the same sort of rules apply. And look, if you want to gamble with your money in a 50-50 proposition, then go ahead and do all of your dynasties and best balls now before the draft, if that's how you feel, because you're gambling, you're throwing darts. 
when you have a good, accurate outcome as to where these players are going to land and you understand the schemes and you know the, the, basically the kind of offenses that the teams are going to be running, it does make a lot more sense at that point. Now, if I'm some sort of insider and I have an idea as to where one where one player would be, and I can only imagine, Joe, that there are no insiders that are really playing dynasty football at this point that will know, then the answer is to wait. And all you got to mm-hmm. do is wait two more days. That's it. Just <laughs> wait. Oh, well, here's the perfect example that I always like to use this one when people ask me these things. I say, remember Steve Young when he played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Okay. Oh. Steve Young was a very talented quarterback in the USFL, right? Very talented quarterback at BYU. And then he ends up in Tampa with a terrible offensive line and, and just an atrocious team around him, bad coaching, everything's terrible. And then he ends up in San Francisco, <laughs> eventually with the 49ers in a great situation with Walsh and Seifert and those guys. And and it's amazing the difference that that talent can, can grow and develop and become well, an MVP caliber player, whereas if he had just stayed in Tampa, how bad that can be. So it's not just about talent. It's about landing spot, too. Those two things have to come together more than anything because baseball is a little bit different in that sense. Yeah, you got ballpark factor. Yeah, you got some other factors as well and certain organizations that are better at growing young pitching like the Rays and some other teams like that we've talked about over the years, you and I. But really, when football... It is so crucial, especially for the quarterback position, that they land in a spot where you know they're going to be taught and developed properly in a scheme that's going to play to their strengths, or they're going to be able to adapt the way the Ravens did last year with Greg Roman, where they can actually take that talent and create a system around them, and they're willing to do that. And I think that is what's so crucial here in the next 24 hours, where these big chips fall, and hopefully they fall in the right places. And and I think so far, most of them are lined up for at least – some better opportunities, but again, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and the uh, real story, I think, for tonight, and it may not be a fantasy impactful story for 2020, is, of course, Joe, the quarterbacks. I mean, that's that's what everybody wants to talk about, and, and certainly I want to kind of steer this in the direction of the New England Patriots here for a minute, but, you know, first we obviously have Joe Burrow at that point. His landing spot will be Cincinnati and probably starts from day one. I don't think any other quarterback that's going to be taken in this draft is going to start from day one, and I would probably think that Tua, if he lands in Miami, maybe doesn't even play for 13, 14 weeks if we're talking about a regular season that is a full regular season this year, kind of like the Drew Locke plan would seem to be the most reasonable for him. Uh, Beyond that, Joe, and I've stated here many times on the show, I don't like any of the other quarterbacks in the draft. I don't like Herbert. I don't like Love. So I'm wondering from your perspective here, because Tom Brady is uh, no longer, of course, with the Patriots. A couple days ago, we found out Rob Gronkowski is going to be now headed to Tampa Bay as well, which is really a story for another day, too. Um, but <laughs> I'm the perfect guy for these stories, Craig Bish. But, but looking at the quarterbacks and then transitioning into the Patriots, do you think that they end up with, with any of these top guys? Do you think that it's somebody, you know, maybe down the line, maybe Jacob Eason, maybe Jake Fromm? Um, you know, I think it's going to be something like they will either take the center or they'll take gross mottos. They're going to do something very Patriot like, which is they'll take somebody who's going to play in the league for 10 years and be a really good player, and they're going to get an investment. Because as much as the fanboy in me wants to think that they're going to package all these picks and move up, and and yeah, it looks like Jacksonville might be the team that might want to move out, and if if Tua does fall a little bit, how that might work out. I just, it's, it's classic Belichick to have all these picks, right? And it's finally an opportunity where you say there's a vacuum, there's a void here. No Tom Brady. After 20 years, no Tom Brady. Right. And he won't move up to do it. He's going to continue to move back. He's going to continue to acquire picks and rebuild the organization. And, 
You know, I actually, ironically enough, went back because I have do all the quarterback profiles for the Black Book, which will be out in a couple of weeks, actually, believe it or not, June 1st. And, you know, going back and watching footage on Jarrett Stidham, I did this a couple of weeks ago after the Brady signing. I said, you know what? I think they're going to go with him. I think it's actually a coin flip that they're going to go with Stidham and just see what happens there. Yeah, because yeah. it, I think it is reasonable. And I think the fact that he's been there for a year – and they have a more complicated offense than a lot of other teams. So in terms of the verbiage, in terms of what they do, it would be much easier for them to roll with Stidham. Now, whether that means they do take a chance on a guy like Jordan Love and say he's a project and he's raw and he's got talent. I, look, I understand two years ago he showed you all the promise, and last year he did not put up the numbers people want. But from a lot of people that I've heard and a lot of people that I've watched talk about him, they've said that it has a, it's a vision problem with him, that it's, it's, it's seeing the field properly, and that's something that can be fixed. You can't teach athleticism. You can't teach arm strength, but you can improve vision. You can improve awareness. You can improve how you read defenses. So that's a matter of work ethic and getting him with the right people. So I, I would be curious to see if they do take a shot on him, but knowing the Patriots, it's going to be something boring and all the Patriot fans will kind of sit there and harumph as they watch half their team kind of go down to South Florida and play. Yeah. And again, you know, it's just for me when I watch a, a kid play in college for two or three years and he's not really good, it's hard for me to envision him being better in the pros. And, and certainly that could happen. It has happened. It has I, happened. I, yeah, I, that's, I, that's, I, that's the irony is it has happened. It has happened in, in the right system. I just don't yeah. see Love being that guy. I don't see Herbert being that guy either. I think Tua uh, can be, though. I, I, oh, I no, not, Tua for no, Tua and Burrow. I'm in on both those if guys. If there's one I, I guy for the fun. Pats to move up for, it would be that oh, guy. I, oh, then you should be very excited if that was somehow. Right. And they have the capital to do it. That's yeah. the thing, Craig. This is the first time in a long time. I mean, 13 picks now. That's a lot of picks yeah. for the Patriots. I mean, not realistically, I don't think it will, but it's fun. It's fun to not discuss all of these scenarios. Mm -hmm. But like somebody like Jalen Hurts, if they were to get him in the third or fourth round, or McDonald from Hawaii in the sixth round or the fifth, I, I think that's a direct. I think New England's going to draft somebody. I just think it'll be later on um, as a project type. But I do agree with you. I think Stidham will end up uh, starting the season with the uh, with the team. Uh, the other news is actually from the New England area today, Joe. The Boston Red Sox uh, yesterday, late yesterday, we found out that uh, the penalties came in in terms of their sign stealing from the commissioner, Rob Manfred. And, uh, of course, Alex Cora was already, uh, you know, already cost him his job. But all the penalties, the commissioner said, essentially for what he did in Houston, uh, their video guy is essentially out for all of this year, out for all of next year, and they end up losing a second-round pick. So it's funny. Uh, clearly, and especially in the report that Manfred had in the comments, not nearly as egregious as anything that was going on in Houston. But I think that what the Red Sox situation does is it sets a nice barometer for anybody else who's even considering doing anything. Even if it's mild, you're going to end up losing a second-round pick, which in baseball is pretty significant. And considering this draft may only be five rounds or ten right. at the most, it's a really big deal. Uh, you mentioned it, too. I mean, how much? It's funny because you and I were talking about this back in, well, like February when all this stuff kind of came down late in January. It's hard to remember. It's been such a blur. But I, I feel like, you know, now that there's that compression of the draft that, that the Astros are now losing the one and the two and not having enough later round picks oh, yeah. now. But that, I mean, that the impact of that now, well, I talk about a game changer, but it's it's funny. The Red Sox have had kind of a strange bad luck string here going on, but if this is a condensed season and it's a season where they're losing a draft pick and it's a losing a season where they're uh, maybe it's a shortened season and you don't have Chris sale. I mean, kind of, if you want all the bad things to happen, this is how you want it to happen. You want it to go down in a short period of time and it, at a season where you were basically going to punt anyway, because you were missing your ACE. I, I think you just kind of take your one lump 
and then you move on from there. Yeah, and, and look, we don't know if this is going to affect anything because we simply don't know if there's going to be a season. And I think that's the hardest part of all of this. Uh, you know, every day I'm checking in with, with people in baseball trying to find out if there's any other updates. But I got to tell you, as much as I am excited for the draft, it has equaled my disappointment for not having any baseball whatsoever, Joe. I mean, it is. Yeah, it's. I mean, well, look, I know, that, we're doing I know it on you time. love the game, too. It's been very it's difficult hard. to, you know, to, to come on here and. and well, that's why on Diamond Bets, what it. we've done is we created this new format where we're doing this thing where we're doing a, a one position per show. We're doing the top 10 American League, top 10 National League, and then we're doing the best to ever play that position at each and every oh, team. Yeah. I've, franchise. I've done drafts like this, yeah. And, like, and we've been going through, and the great discussion of talking about older baseball, talking about now baseball, and then we're talking about the best prospects at that position. So it's sure. almost like we're doing that kind of compendium thing. So for people who are missing baseball, talk just generally – we're trying to fill that void over on Diamond Bets and give everybody not just now baseball, but historical baseball and a little bit of a laugh as well. We did a great segment with baseball cards coming up this uh, this coming weekend. I mean, did that one? Hilarious. We got you. We're all doing the content. This is the hardest time to be a broadcaster in sports. People think that, oh, it's so great and it's so easy for those of you who watch. It is not. I mean, normally there is a cycle of some sort of sports. It ain't October. That, <laughs> that, is, that is going on. And it, every day feels like the day before the All-Star game and the day after the All-Star game. It's like you wake up, you go onto the websites and you check Twitter and you check all these things. And there's essentially... Not much going on, but uh, check out Joe, of course, on Diamond Bets every weekend right here on Sports Grid, updating you with on baseball as he goes through position by position and historical. Uh, we'll check back with Joe in three weeks from now if he's uh, still doing that. Oh, we're only on, we just else. did third base, man. We got we got you so got many. Plenty. We're gonna break it down left field, <laughs> center field. Who knows? We might back even do up left fielders. Yeah, oh, all good. kinds, pinch hitters. Who knows? Utility Whatever guys. it takes. Yeah, DH. Whatever it takes. As All right, check clear, Smish. We'll uh, we'll be back with our this day in fantasy sports and also our fantasy sports birthdays in just a couple of minutes. Craig Mish and Joe Pizapia with you here on Fantasy Sports today, and we're back right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Today is April the 23rd, 2020. And as always, we deliver you this day in fantasy sports history and also fantasy sports birthdays. And with my guest fill-in host today, Joe Pizapia, along here for the ride, figured let's just keep this train moving and do some of this. Now, I will tell you, Joe, that from doing this day in fantasy sports and doing fantasy sports birthdays, uh, I always, you know, I'm very easily making fun of myself. This was not the plan going into this year's fantasy sports today, but given the lack of things going on, I figured it would be time to educate people on things that have happened in the past. And maybe you could wish a birthday or two to somebody on Twitter, as opposed to just ripping them down. So that's kind of where we have taken this segment here. And I got to tell you that after this is all said and done, and hopefully, by the way, this is all said and done in a month 
or two at the most, I will have known a lot of the things that happened in school <laughs> that I forgot about and when you're they happened be, too. Yeah. So a little you're bit of an education. Guy. You're going to be the guy everybody wants at the bar and trivia night, the Trivial Pursuit night. You're the guy. You're the fountain of useless information. But look, education is important right yeah. now. Look, everyone's homeschooling. You can watch fantasy sports today and get a little homeschool action and learn yourself something. So there you go. Let's do it. Trying to do. All right. So here we go. Uh, April 23rd, this day in history. You see the picture there of uh, Troy Aikman. We'll get to him in a second. Uh, let's start off, though, 1954, April the 22nd, Joe, Hank Aaron hits his first home run of 755 home runs. Now, you and I have talked baseball for a decade, and you're the one person that I don't even have to ask this question to, because normally it is a fair question. Who is the real home run king, Joe Pizapia? The answer for Joe Pizapia is always the guys that did the steroids. He never cared. He loved it. It's Barry Bonds. Yeah. Uh, but but I will say the original home run king was Babe Ruth. The second home run king was Hank Aaron. And in all likelihood, the third home run king is uh, Barry Bonds. Uh, well, how many how many home runs did Barry Bonds hit? I just want to be clear. I want to try to figure out the, the exact total there and how much uh, how many more. Is it 760-something? Seven, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. It, 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 Nobody it knows that. <laughs> it was a lot. Like, here, here's the thing. Uh, Aaron, look, Henry Aaron, incredible home run hitter, incredible player. And if people want to call him the home run king, I get that. And I have no problem with that, nor will I fight people about it at all. Uh, however, you know, you do have to look back on it. And Henry Aaron never hit more than 47 in a season. So uh, Henry Aaron also didn't have the travel schedule or face the kind of pitching that Barry Bonds did throughout his career that he had to. And, you know, I, I think you have to judge players in their era. And Henry Aaron from the 1950s and 60s into the early 70s, Certainly, I would say the most consistent home run hitter. And I, I think that's the way you got to think of them, too, because prolific. You could say that Babe Ruth was the greatest, most prolific home run hitter because this was a guy hitting more home runs than entire teams at the times when he was doing it. So uh, when you look at the average season of Henry Aaron, it's something like 37-115, I believe, or somewhere around there. And I think that what, what you're talking about is a guy that every year showed up was going to hit 35 to 40 home runs, was going to drive in 100 runs, and did it for almost 20-something years. And that is spectacular, especially when you realize he was hurt. He was playing hurt. He was playing through all kinds of difficulties, not to mention the racism and, and well, the things he had to deal with the, in the that South. Is, yeah, that right there is what you said is the real dif differentiation yeah. between, uh, you know, to say that he, you know, didn't have it as hard because of the talent, yes, that is indeed true. But for the first 10 years of playing Major League Baseball, and I would stay even in the 60s, but really in the 50s and into the 60s, the amount of racism that this guy endured was just off Well, just think about nowadays. Story, a few years how before many, Jackie Robinson was in the big leagues. Not right, and, and think about right now, nowadays in baseball, how many different pitchers you face in a season, as opposed to, you know, back when there were 16 teams, right? I mean, it's, it, it's, such, a, it's such a different universe of baseball compared to, you know, the 50s when you're looking at now because just the amount of people that you have to be aware of and, and what's going on. But look, Henry Aaron, I don't take anything away from him. In fact, we should celebrate Henry Aaron more because if players were as consistent as him, our game would be much better right now. Yeah, and and some people think the greatest living player right now in Major League Baseball, I would probably say Willie Mays. I agree. But, but, uh, but Hank Aaron is definitely right up there, two or three. at, at uh, Or Louis Soho, it depends. It's right there. Yeah, it's Soho Mays, Soho... Mackie Sasser, somewhere around there. Sasser throwing back to first. Okay, uh, 1962, Joe, let's go to 62. The Mets win their first game in franchise history. So this was part of the awful Mets teams of when they basically were brought into Major League Baseball. And then, of course, 
they had their miracle team as well. But uh, this was the best first win ever today, 1962. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm trying to remember the last one. No, it's, uh, it's being a Met fan. Yeah, it's <laughs> building character. That's what it's about. It's about staying humble and building character. I, you know, it's 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 funny, Craig, because I was spoiled when I was eight years old in 1986. Uh, I thought yeah. the Mets could come back and win that World Series. I believed, and it happened. And ever since, I've been uh, I've been scarred for life because I, I just refused to quit. And maybe I should. However, it looks like J Lo and A Rod might save the day. And I wouldn't know. that be Jenny from the Block? I can't. And see Alex it. Rodriguez, the ex Met fan growing up. How great of a story would that be? I can't see it either, man. But I love that. Just anybody. I want you to buy the Mets. I Somebody buy the being, Mets. I could see them being involved. But this comparison that people are making, it's so unfair uh, of, of comparing Jeter's purchase. And by the way, he's a minority owner, but Jeter's purchase of the Marlins to A-Rods. Listen, I, I get it. The Marlins are worth a billion, maybe. The Mets are worth $2 billion. But in all fairness, Alex Rodriguez, uh, I mean, I do watch a little Shark Tank. Alex Rodriguez has a lot of irons in the fire. He's got a lot of other businesses. And he's lot, I mean, a lot of other money. You think so? So you I, think he has more money than so. Jeter? Yeah. Oh, I know so. Oh, I definitely right. think he has. Not only is he uh, – here's the thing. Jeter, you know – I'm not saying Jeter hasn't not made money. Of course he has. But A-Rod has made mega contracts for a very long time. But on top of that, he's basically have these other businesses that he's been running that are making tons of money for him over the past. Not to mention uh, Jennifer Lopez as well. Well, yeah, combining her. Well. And and you're combining those two people together. That is a lot of money. Right, and I'll, i got to tell it. you. What, it, what is 10%, Joe, of $2 billion? <laughs> I, well, here's you're the thing. You're telling me they're going to they're gonna fork up that $200 million? I just want anybody, 10%. anybody to buy this team. I don't care who it is. I, I don't care if it's J-Lo and Mark Anthony. I don't care if it's J-Lo and Ben Affleck. I don't care if it's J-Lo and Alex Rodriguez. I don't care if it's a current. Now, if they combine all husband. of them. Let's get everybody in there. Let's get everybody in the pool and let's buy the Mets and let's save me, please, from the Wilpons. Please, I beg you, Alex, J-Lo, somebody, please help me. I 1989 draft. Of course, we got the draft tonight. Back in 1989, Troy Aikman was the first pick overall by the Dallas Cowboys. This is the beginning of the Jimmy Johnson era, of course. In fact, they had Steve Walsh there, too, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. But uh, brought Aikman in. As everyone says, the rest is history. Let's back that up with 2005. Alex Smith, the first pick overall in the NFL draft as well. And certainly a tale of two different players, but again, six years apart. You know, quarterbacks in general, Joe feels like seven out of ten years are going to go first overall in the NFL draft. Uh, things worked out very well for Aikman. Things worked out very well financially for Alex Smith. Um, unfortunately for him, he got Wally pipped a little bit by Patrick Mahomes and uh, you know got hurt also as well. And I don't think anybody's uh, you know rooting for injury or anything well, like that. Well, he got pipped twice. He got pipped by Kaepernick, too, in San Francisco. That's true. That was a really good – you know, they yeah. were winning games, and then he got hurt, and then Kaepernick was winning them by more. And they never got that gig back. And it's very funny because um, there's a recent trend of Super Bowl hangover losses for teams where if you go back, you look at Cam Newton, you know, they had that great MVP season. They got embarrassed in the Super Bowl. He went from 35 touchdowns to, I think, 22. Uh, when the Atlanta Falcons lost the Super Bowl the next year, um, they went for, uh, it was like it's 20 touchdowns or 22 touchdowns for Matt Ryan, all-time career low. Uh, if you look at the recent trend of teams that when they lose Super Bowls, I'm a little worried about this current one of Garoppolo because everybody remembers Alex Smith transitioning into the Kaepernick situation. Everyone going, oh, 49ers had a great defense. They're going to be around forever. They'll be back next year. And they weren't. 
And if you keep looking back in the last 10 years or so, the only two teams that lost Super Bowls that came back and were still good the next year were the Russell Wilson Seahawks, who had already won one, and the Tom Brady Patriots. So losing Super Bowls is important. I just want to point that out for all those 49er fans that think that the sky is the limit. There might be a limit on that sky. And then we talk about Troy Aikman. I kind of wonder what if with Troy Aikman, because so many concussions cut his career short, Greg. And Troy Aikman, I think, had he been playing in this era in the NFL, where you can't touch the quarterback, basically, I wonder how long he would have played, and I wonder what we might think about him. Now, we might not think he's Drew Brees or Dan yeah. Marino. Oh, it was a different wonder, time then, too. He, he may have ended up being those. You know? yeah. I wonder if he cracks that top ten where you talk about him in the same breath, at least, as the Elways and the Fouts of the world, potentially. Right, well, well, maybe if he was playing now, he would be throwing for 35, 40 touchdowns. Right. I mean, it, it, could have, it could have been the case. All right, uh, let's uh, wrap it up with last year, Damian Lillard, uh, 50 points in a playoff game to shut down Oklahoma City and send them home for the season, and it ended up being a 37-foot game winner. So we'll end with that in the NBA, and that's uh, this day in fantasy sports. So there you go, Joey. Got through it. Yeah, quick that, and easy. I right? always try. Ah, oh, fun. Not quick and easy, but, but fun. But now you get. To, but now you get to the, the favorite part of our producer Brett Levy. He loves. He loves the birthdays. Oh, is this Brett's thing? Brett. Oh, likes he birthdays? loves it. He loves oh, it. okay. He can't, he can't okay. wait every day to find out whose birthday it is. I, do, I deliver birthdays here on the show. These are some pretty good ones, though, at least. I mean, these, this You know, actually, this is the worst one we've had, I think, since we started. Uh, right, well, no then, it's just, I mean, man, Way we to save the have, worst like, a one big for me. name or two here, but it's like, I mean, I use bleeping Warren Spahn, for God's sakes. Like, I mean, I normally don't have to go that far back, but well, let me there's just nobody. But anyway, let's take Warren's a look. All right. No, he is, but he's also not alive. Um, all right, so let, let's... Uh, Let's dive in. You see the picture there of John Cena. So we'll, we'll let Joe rant about John Cena here in a minute. But first, let's tackle these guys. Uh, Warren Spahn, Hall of Famer, great pitcher, pitched for like 46 years probably, if you go back and look, uh, with the Atlanta Braves. And, um, you know, it won a lot of games when he pitched, certainly, too. Not that I ever remember any of this because he was long retired by the time that I was born. But he is a Hall of Famer, and he's a popular name in baseball. So, yes, it is a sad day for birthdays. That's what we got. Uh, Sam <laughs> well, Madison. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Wait, wait. Spawn? Go wait. Ahead. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit. How about the, 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 the popular phrase that every baseball fan should know? Spawn insane and pray for rain. There you go. Johnny Sane and Warren Spawn, at the time, the best uh, uh, Braves duo in terms of pitchers until yes. you got to that other grouping of pitchers with Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz. So up until that grouping, they were the quintessential Braves rotation guys that you thought about. So, uh, you know, Warren Spahn, certainly one of these guys that, you know, I, I think. He, he was great, Joe. But yeah. any anybody who remembers Warren Spahn pitching is in all likelihood cannot figure well, out. Well, maybe how we to get Lenny Melnick on and Lenny can, can tell us. Lenny cannot Warren. figure out how to watch Pluto TV. Trust me. I don't understand the Pluto, Mish. I got, I, I got the I thing. tell people all the time, or, or Zumo TV, by the way, if you're watching on Zumo or Stir, I should mention all of our partners here. But just, but just, you know, as a, as a thing, I tell people, hey, just watch me on one of these three things. They're like, how do I do it? I'll turn the TV on. I'm like, you don't have to. It's on the phone. How do I watch it on TV? Do you have the Amazon stick? Yes, I do. You have the app? No, I don't. Yes, you do. Just hit download. It's free. It's like, you know, I mean, it's a whole thing. But this is the way we're all going to be watching TV in five years. So why don't people realize that now? We're ahead of the curve, Mish. Way ahead. Uh, Sam Madison, 1974. Sam Madison, many years with the Dolphins, caps off his career with the Giants, wins a Super Bowl with the New York Giants as well. He and Patrick Sertan, two great defensive backs with the Dolphins for a long period of time. If I'm not mistaken, Madison is a coach with the Chiefs. 
Yeah. I think he's their defensive backs coach as well. Uh, 1977, we go to John Cena, one of the most popular wrestlers over the past 10 years, I would say. And now, whenever anyone makes a movie, in all likelihood, they probably go to The Rock. The Rock looks at the script, says, all right, I'll do it. If he says no, it's John Cena that ends up doing the movie. It, sure, it certainly seems that way, Joe. John Cena's doing all these movies that feel like The Rock at the beginning of his career. He is. He's doing a lot of movies. Look, John Cena, very controversial figure for wrestling fans. Uh, and John Cena's actually been doing it since the early 2000s. So we're coming up it on almost 20 I, years. Yeah, it shows what you I, know. I saw but... the last movie he was in in the theater. <laughs> Which one? The one with the firehouse thing? Yes, I saw that in the theater. And how was that? How did you enjoy that experience? You know. <laughs> you know. I'm trying to think of the John Cena. I'll tell you what. John Cena is actually very funny uh, in that uh, that movie with Amy Schumer. Oh, God, I can't remember. Trainwreck, where he plays, like, the jacked-up boyfriend in the beginning of the movie. He's very good. funny. I think very he's funny good. Guy. It's just, it's just he's on that that rock trajectory now, where he's got to get well, in all these. He's he's never going to be able to do shows like Ballers necessarily. Although I do think eventually you're going to see him do other stuff, where he's going to transition into more serious roles eventually. He's done a lot wow. of goofy action things or goofy things, but yeah, that's what I actually think Cena's got some talent as an actor. But as an in-ring performer, here's the thing about you got to learn about him. John Cena is one of these dudes, man, that he knows what it's like to carry the company on his back. And there's a lot of wrestling fans, a lot of people that will say. Uh, well, he's got the five moves, and that's it. He's not very interesting. But you know what? You go back and look at some of the great matches he had with Edge, with Randy Orton, with Kurt Angle, and, and the list goes on and on and on. And you realize, hey, you know, this guy always showed up and had big matches. They don't come big match John for nothing. Is he the greatest wrestler of all time? No. Is he, He's not even close to the Shawn Michaels of the world, the Bret Hart's and guys like that. But in terms of being the face of a company, in terms of what it is to be the guy, John Cena was that, and a great WrestleMania with him and Bray Wyatt this year as The Fiend. Oh, my goodness, what a fantastic thing that was. A little bit more of a movie than a wrestling match, but I highly recommend it for all you wrestling fans out there if you Way haven't seen it. over my head. I know. That's why I'm here. Before we get to our last birthday, can you name, because I uh, completely over me with the five moves here. You, you lost me at five moves. Oh, well. What are the five moves? He does the, uh, he does the, the attitude adjustment. He's got the attitude adjustment. You know, he does the you can't see me and the, the five knuckle shuffle. I don't shuffle. know anything about this. Okay, that's one. Well, he's, yeah, like I'm saying, John Cena is limited in terms of moveset. No, I said, I said. He oh, does was the, five just being generic or? Yeah, that, like it was being generic. Oh, okay. but he, I thought he got legitimately his only had five moves. No, no. It's it's okay. it's what you say about a guy who can't do a lot of things. He I got understand. Five moves. I see, but it's, it's, I see it's a learning process. That's why I'm here to teach you. learning. Here on you the know. show. got one more birthday before the break. You want to do yes. this one? Uh, Andrew Jones, 1977, multi-gold glove award winner. His son now is getting ready to be uh, in Major League Baseball in a couple years. He's going to be a superstar. Uh, Jones, very underrated, Joe. Was awesome with the Braves. Youngest kid to do it in a uh, NLCS and a World Series as well. And, uh, and who knows what would have happened if he would have stayed in Atlanta. But the second he left his career... Yeah, another guy, too, that, that was a very good player that during a certain era all of a sudden became a, a great player. Uh, and look, you know, always a great defensive player and uh, and fun to watch. And, you know, to he he made playing center field just look easy. Exactly. And that was something him and Edmonds, those were the best two, I thought, during that generation of playing center field. Yeah. And look, he got right a little bit when he went to the Yankees, didn't have to play defense anymore, but he was just right. never the same. He signed that contract with the Dodgers coming off that great year that he had, yeah. uh, I think, hitting 40 home runs. But mm -hmm. uh, certainly one of the best to ever play center. No question about that. All right. Coming up next, it's time for us to do our final look at the draft before tonight. 
We're going to dive into some draft props for the two quarterbacks that are expected to be off the board first. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Vish and Joe Pizzapia, we're back right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com in just a couple of minutes. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia is in the house for Joe Ranieri. Joe getting ready for the big draft tonight in the NFL. And so, you know, normally it's the rite of passage, Joe, to ask, will you watch the draft? What will you be doing during the draft? But I think for the first time since, I mean, and I, and I didn't watch it. I know you did because you're a huge wrestling guy. But really since the first uh, event that we had, which was WrestleMania a couple of weeks ago, like that was the must first must see event of the pandemic. I feel like, yeah. And then um, the Last Dance, this Jordan uh, documentary, the the Bulls documentary is like the the second event I think of the pandemic that everybody's watching. But I don't think any of these are going to touch the NFL draft. I think we're all going to be watching. So I, I can't even ask you, will you be watching? Because I'm sure you're going to be. But what is your plan? Like like I know you have kids and mm-hmm. I do. I look. I told the kids. The I was like, look. It's, it's NFL draft night, so you got to go to bed at a regular time. And I'm somebody that typically will DVR the draft anyway, so I kind of like to fast forward through the commercials and the nonsense. And it's funny, yeah. you can really catch up on a lot of things. Now, this year is going to be a little different, but I feel like the magic and the majesty of the draft is, you know, once a year you get to watch somebody's dreams come true. And that is something that we're a very jaded society. And these kids put in a lot of work. These families sacrifice a lot. And some of these kids have sacrificed a lot. You hear some of these stories of some of these kids. You know, you get the Josh Jacobs story of him, you know, living in the car. You, you get the, you know, the Andre Hopkins story of the mother being blind. You know, all these things that they've had to overcome. And this is a moment where live on television, you see someone's dream come true. That That's a spectacular thing. It's not something that you see almost anywhere else. And it's a little different for award shows because this is not award like a good job. This is, Hey, you now have a career and you're going to get paid for this. And, and that's been the thing you've been trying to do for almost your whole life. So I think that aspect of it is not only important for us from as sports fans right now, but I think as human beings, we kind of need that. We need a feel good moment. And I think the NFL draft is usually uh, just gives you that in abundance. And it'll be really nice to have that uh, tonight. Yep, check it out tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern. We'll be covering it right here at sportsgrid.com. That's where you can see our live coverage from 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. and then again on Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, also, just a quick programming note as we go along here on the show, uh, Fantasy Sports Today will be preempted on Friday. Uh, the 11 to 1 show will be preempted. We're going to replay our draft coverage, and the same uh, goes for the weekend as well. So I'll be back again uh, on Monday in this spot, and uh, that will be starting tomorrow. So just keep that in mind for those of you who are tuned in, and really appreciate that for those of you, especially those of you who have your notifications turned on on YouTube. Um, just a heads up, no uh, fantasy sports today on Friday. Okay, so our last shot here at some props, Joe, on FanDuel. You're actually live in New Jersey, you actually could get in on any of these if you would. I'm not really particularly interested in 
uh, betting on the draft. But I am interested in watching what all of our hosts think and potentially what they may end up doing. But for me, um, you know, there's a couple that I feel pretty good about, and we could go through these now, and I'll tell you. We'll start off with uh, Tua Tagalova of the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide, who I think that most people think is going to be in the top five. We'll get to that in a second. He may not be. You never know. The Dolphins are minus 110 to pick him, so they're the clear favorite, as you can see on the board there. we got the Chargers at plus 210. Jacksonville at 600, which is 6-1. to one. The Patriots moved up a little bit to plus 650. They were a little bit mm-hmm. lower than that, so they were a little bit on the move. I think they were 7. Now, it's not a significant move. The Lions are 9-1. to one. The Raiders are 9-1. to one. These are all courtesy of FanDuel, by the way. And the Redskins are 12-1. to one. And, by the way, there's a couple of more teams that are involved here. But just for the sake of saving our time, it just it didn't seem very realistic at all. So, uh, listed the teams here, Joe. If I'm going to bet it, this is one of those where I would probably just have to just lay that 110 and take the Dolphins. I just don't see any other scenario coming out of this. It is amazing to me that the Dolphins could go into a season, trade their entire team essentially, look like they were tanking for about half a season. They start off 0-7, 0-8, whatever it was all with the same intent of drafting Tua. And then Tua gets hurt. Yeah, I get it. I understand it. But now he's 100% healthy. You're telling me that all of this work that the Dolphins did was to take somebody not named Tua? I mean, it may not happen. Can't guarantee that. But I got to tell you, I will be very surprised if Miami pivots and goes in another direction. This is a franchise-changing player. The only bet for me here would be taking the Dolphins. But I suppose, Joe, uh, love your opinion on that. And if you have a wild-card team, maybe to th- that you'd throw 10 bucks on maybe here. Yeah, I, I think for the most part, I, I, I agree with you. I, and it's not because we're trying to be boring. God knows Craig and I don't agree on everything. True. That is absolutely true. And that's what the magic of Joe and Craig is. But I'll tell you this, man. It's It would be very surprising to see them not take two here. And I think it would be a bad move by them. Now, here's the I only agree. caveat. I think a lot of these teams is process of elimination here. I do not see the Chargers doing this. I, I think the Chargers have options here, and I think the Chargers also view themselves, I think, as a work in progress, and I could see them taking a Herbert or somebody like that and waiting. They seem to be in that kind of a mode, at least right now, new stadium opening, all the other things that they have going for them. Uh, the Jaguars, I think the Jaguars are in full tank mode. The fact that they're jettisoning everything, tells you all. Now, I thought Cam Newton would be the logical, that would be the logical landing spot for him. It still could be, but I also think there's something when you look at the Jaguars where they say, you know what, we could completely tank this year. I agree. Continue with you. to I keep trading back. I think they're going to trade out of the first round altogether. Continue to accumulate picks, accumulate picks, and go next year just really hard into that draft. The the Redskins need so many things <laughs> that it's that's a roster that needs a page one rewrite as far as I'm concerned. So that's another team that if you want to take Chase Young, great. If you don't, then you trade out of that spot because you have so many other issues besides quarterback that you need to address on that roster. You're so far away in so many different ways. And I know everybody, you know, John Gruden loves quarterbacks and he he's always fancies somebody. That's the I only team that I throw the dart on. See, the only team I throw the dart on, and it's because of who it is and because of where he played, I think the Patriots are that dart because they do have the draft capital to move in front. And the team that move in front there, it's not going to be the Redskins probably, even though I think – it wouldn't be a terrible move for them to acquire more picks. I don't think the Lions are going to trade out. I think it would be the Giants. And the reason why is there's some good offensive linemen, and there's a lot of things here. Again, the Giants are a roster with a lot of needs on defense and obviously uh, some definitive needs on the offensive line. But if you can get an extra pick and move out of there 
I mean, to me, that's the team where the Patriots can leapfrog because they have enough to do it. That's the they, only they team could. that I would bet on they besides could, the Dolphins. What's here. interesting about the Raiders at nine to one is that all it would require is just two at a fall. You know, like like the, like the other like New England would have to trade up if the Ra- if he just right. fell to the Raiders. That that's why that possibility exists. And and look, I don't like the odds of any of these outside of Miami. But if I was going to throw that one dart on someone, it would be Oakland. Um, look, New England, it would it would change how I view them going into this year in a big way. I mean, that, I mean, Tua, I think, is going to be a superstar. So I agree with you. If they and, were and able you know to pull that off, oh, my gosh. Well, here's the thing. It's it's kind of funny, isn't it, that, you know, this, this Gronkowski trade happened just, what, you know, less than you know, what, 48 hours before the draft, right? So. Right. It's very curious because this is a team historically that doesn't, you know, keeps moving out, moving out, moving back, moving to next year. Well, they're not. They have 13 picks this year. That is a ton. Is one of the most picks of anybody in the draft this year. So if you, I mean, wouldn't that just be very Belichick-esque to have the opportunity to move up for a guy that never should have been at four in terms of talent, right? Two is not a four talent. He's a potential one talent He's if he didn't one. get hurt. Right. So – Here's that there. There's that question. Can you go up there and get him? I think they're going to do everything they can to. I don't know if they'll be able to. And that's why I think the Dolphins will ultimately get him because I don't think the Dolphins will want to package some of their ones in order to move up just one slot for Tua. I don't see that being their MO. Do you? No, um, but I think that if he's at five and they are at five, they're going to take him. That, that's 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 been my opinion. And I've been reporting on some of this stuff and, and I'll and I'll get to the specifics about it. Um, you know, more here on the show as we go along. But again, I'll be live at the draft tonight and certainly maybe here, you I'll... play GM, play GM for a second. You're the GM of the dolphins and you know, well, that I, the... I don't even need to, I can tell you what, what they're not going to do. They're not well, taking, they're not taking Herbert. And that's been the story that I've Oh no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm putting out a scenario to you. You oh. know that the, the, the Pats want to move up to four. Are you willing to swap picks and throw one of your first in order to get to a, maybe a first next year. But not this year. Not one of your first this year. That's the so. cost. I don't think so. But Even I think the they third. would do it next year. I think they. I don't think they will. But I think that's what it might come down no, to. And that's it's, why it's interesting. I, look, I haven't heard any smoke with with uh, with Tua. But why would you hear any smoke with the Patriots? Well, there's a lot of smoke up here where I live in the New Jersey area about the Giants and the Pats right now. So well, look, I don't it, know what it, there it is. It could to that happen. It would now. certainly. It would it would change everything about the Patriots that I would believe going into this year. I still think that they'll probably be okay because Belichick's going to never have a bad team. But it you know, there always been a team that was on defense anyway. Well, let's be honest. I mean – No, but Tua is a star. Oh, no, that's, they that's are. But like a, I mean, you're going in with a, quarter, a very unknown quantity of quarterback. I mean, look, if Stidham turned out to be horrible, you, no one would be shocked. I mean, that's just no. – that's just the reality of the situation. You're hundred percent right on that accord. But I also think that you can look at the the ultimate success and the failure of this team, and you know it's going to be based on defense because most of the championships, the defense was better than the offense. And the times where the offense was holding up the defense, that's when they went and lost a lot of Super Bowls. So that's the difference between the Belichick teams that have won and lost Super Bowls. I mean, the first three were really built on the defense and Tom Brady, Tom Brady making plays. And then you had that era where Tom Brady was a, a rock star with Randy Moss. They were winning, you know, perfect seasons and then losing the big games when they counted because the defense wasn't there or was a little older and they had lost a step. So that's, I think, the big difference maker. See what they do on defense. Yeah, I mean, look, their Vegas number is relatively low. So, I mean, no one really expects them to do very much. Eight and a half in some spots, nine in some other. That sounds about right. It's the Bills' division to lose. Maybe. 
Maybe. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to uh, Justin Herbert. Again, I've reported this now for a couple of weeks. Now everyone's starting to catch up. It was just all smoke. I mean, the, the Miami, they, they liked Herbert, of course. They, you know, you, you have to make sure that you like everybody going into a draft. You don't ever send a message about not liking a player. And uh, with Herbert, there was never really, I don't think, a strong chance that they would end up acquiring him. So when they do draft tonight, as I've said, I do not believe, based on what I know, that they are interested in him. So I'll remove Miami from the board here, plus 120. So it's somebody else for me, Joe. Uh, Chargers plus 140. It's Look, it's it's interesting because, again, I know what they said publicly. If you believe that, then we can pass here on the Chargers. If what publicly was said was just a smokescreen, then maybe they are in. Jacksonville is an opportunity. New England, certainly, you know, a little bit of a bigger long shot at 10 to 1 because I don't think he's as talented as two, and I don't think the Patriots, Patriots would move up. And then again, I go to the Raiders here, and this is the one that I like at 11 to 1. This would be the one that I would choose. Carolina 14 to 1, Tampa Bay is 20 to 1, and there were a couple of teams that were even further out from that. So this one to me, Joe, is a lot more confusing, but I do think there is a betting opportunity here because you're getting some really good odds if you can throw this dart and hit it in the middle. And I think you got a shot at one of these teams. If he goes past San Diego, you're going to make some money if you bet Herbert somewhere else. Yeah, I, I still say San Diego is I mean, Los Angeles. I should say Chargers are the favorite. It's funny how did I say you know it? you did, and then you got me Sorry. to say it because because I, <laughs> I, I got looped into it. LA, there. and you also said Oakland Raiders, which we're gonna do Vegas. for the next oh, yeah, two years. Yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be tough to say. Um, for me, it's Chargers or bust. I would like the Raiders concept more, but I don't understand the Mariota signing. Like, what's unless Derek Carr is part of a trade in this? Because I don't know how much oh, money. Right. Well, because I don't know how much money you want to tie into the cap and quarterbacks. That's why. <clears throat> because you're going to have to pay Herbert, too, because of where you're going to have him in terms of slotting. Well, what, so, what if one of these teams moves back and gets them later? Look, I, I, I think, think the Raiders is the one other spot because it's John Gruden and because he would get to kind of pick his guy. And and not his guy. guy. You know that. What's that? Carr's not his guy. Oh, Carr is not his guy. I agree with you 100%. But at the same time, you have an opportunity there where if you took a CD Lamb, right, or somebody like that, all of a sudden, you got Lamb, you got Renfro, you got Waller, you got Jacobs. You have a really good offensive squad that's around. That's the right pick to make. Yes, that's the I, right I think pick. That's I'm not saying do. that they're going to do that, though. I think you take that number one wide receiver because you have one of those two guys potentially on the board in Judy or, or Lamb. You get those guys, and then you might get the best version of Derek Carr that you've seen that people keep waiting on. And Derek Carr has a cap. Okay, and I think if everybody realizes this, I know a couple years ago people thought there was more to Derek Carr than there could be. I don't think there can be, but I think you can win with Derek Carr. But the problem is you got to give him some more to work with, damn it. You took away Antonio Brown, or Antonio Brown took away himself, and then all of a sudden, you know, you had some emergence there of Wall. You had emergence of Renfro a little bit towards the end of the year. You give him a true number one, and all of a sudden he's got options. You're in a really good spot potentially. So for me, I do see the Raiders as being that one where Gruden could say, yeah, you know what? Maybe we could do that. And maybe we build up Carr's value for one more year in that first year in Vegas and then trade him off. And then I can make Herbert my project. And I think Gruden's looking for a pet project. And I think it's going to be Mariota. But at the same time, I think he'd prefer it to be Herbert. I just don't think he's going to get the chance. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fascinating draft from the quarterback perspective. I think it always is. But just because of the nature of this one, where you have a player that, as you said, legitimately could be the best player in the draft, but because of the injury, that doesn't happen a lot in the NFL no. draft. Like with this day and age of medicals and flying to see players and teams coming in, they know everything about. I'm trying players. to think of the last time we got close to it. I remember there was a lot of injury. 
Well, but Jadavian Clowney had a lot of issues Maybe surrounding Adrian him. Peterson. Peterson's injury was another one too. I mean, there's been a couple, but I mean, it is it's one of those things where it, it's it, this is historic in the you sense know, that I don't remember. One, the quarter. You know what I remember? Willis McGahee. That was one. That was one. He fell pretty far too. He didn't. He, he didn't play his entire first year in the NFL. Yeah. yeah. They sat him out a whole year and then came back and then played with Buffalo. And then had a pretty good career actually. It was really that. good. Yeah. He had an yeah. ACL injury in the national championship game. Missed a whole year. Yeah, I, I say you take the risk with Tua because of how important quarterback I is in the too. NFL. I mean, and the, so if you're going to take a risk, take a risk on somebody that's of the highest quality leadership who, who you know, licks every wonder lick test you could possibly throw at him. He's that kind of a guy. He's that kind of a talent. And, you know, you hope for the best. Football's a tough game. Joe Burrow could get hurt in the game one. You know what I mean? We've seen that happen to a lot of people before. So anything could happen. Take the best talent. If it's Tua, take the shot. Because what do you have to lose? If you're Miami, you're not winning that division probably anyway for a little while anyway. No, Just doesn't make, make the Fitzpatrick shot. would be a great leader to help him. He knows the situation. And, of course, it makes sense. And from the Dolphins' hierarchy perspective, everyone's always worried about their jobs. The two guys that are at the top of the Dolphins do not have pressure to win in 2020. Like, mm -hmm. if they win six games, it's like, ah, okay, but we got Tua coming the next year. That is the approach that it's going to be. Of course they're going to have pressure in 2021. You can't play three years in the NFL and lose and keep your job. That doesn't happen. But yeah. I think that's the direction that Miami, of course, should go. All right, we'll go in this direction. A quick break here on Fantasy Sports Today. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our historic stadiums in fantasy sports today we've got a big college football stadium to hit on so stay tuned to that also the latest odds from FanDuel and the NFL draft our coverage is tonight eight o'clock eastern right here on sports grid and sportsgrid.com Craig Mish of course in the house we got Joe Pizapia in for Joe Ranieri today that's the story we're right back after dailyrodo.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. <laughs> 